Cowboys Nation on this post-game, post-week loss. I don't even know what day it is. I don't even know what day it is. It is Wednesday. Excuse me, Tuesday, November 21st. Days mean nothing in this eternal night. 2017. Um, It is Eagles Week, Gatelli, post-Eagles Week. And unfortunately, the filthy Philadelphia... Swine have bested America's heroes, America's uh, team. Is that, is that who is out there playing the Eagles? Could have fooled me, dude. <laughs> Your average middle school team, to be honest. They, they had the uniforms for a half at least. Yeah. Uh, I am Benjamin T. Walker, my co-host, Anthony the Goat Gatelli. What up, though? And win or lose, rain or shine, we are here to discuss... We feel your frustrations. We feel your depression growing, your anxiety heightening. Um, it's not it's not good right now. And uh, um, if you watched any of that game, um, we apologize. Um, we we lived through it too, and um, it really hurts today, Andy. So how are you? Uh, how are you doing over there? Well, okay. I think today we should avoid just going drive by drive, play by play through this game. I honestly don't think I can do that. Um, we can highlight some spots and we can talk about the trends, but I never want to relive that game. It you know, was here difficult. At, here at Boys Will Be Boys, you know, we are what I would consider probably the most illogical Cowboys fans on the planet. Like we are we are those Cowboys fans that people often hate on very often talk about. And we are very emotionally invested in this team. And man, I knew coming in, I knew coming in, you know, no Tyron Smith, no Sean Lee, no Dan and no Zeke Elliott. So, you know, they're not going to be able to just go out there and world beat on people. Eh, Philly's nine and one. They're really nine and one. Sure, they had everyone. Um, I don't know. I was feeling good heading into the game, like low key. I know we predicted on here that we were going to lose. I still thought we'd lose, but I don't know. Sometimes I thought, man, this this would be a heck of a win, and I kind of talked myself into believing that we stood a chance. And through the first half of football, you know, it didn't seem like that was that off base yeah i mean from a defensive standpoint like the eagles weren't clicking on the on offense they only put up what nine points seven points in the first half um they had some bad drops we just managed to get some stops on d it didn't look like it was going to be the end of the world the offense however looked pretty damn mediocre from the first touch true so, Never found the end zone. We have plenty of uh, information to get to you today. We will discuss the game. We will do a rapid fire through these drives. We will give our reaction to it. What's wrong with the Cowboys? Is there something wrong with Dak? Do we miss Zeke? Is Sean Lee ever coming back? We'll get to all that. Is Jason Garrett still clapping to this day? Um, <laughs> Somewhere standing next to a five-car pileup car wreck with burning bodies crawling out while he claps at them. Yeah, chewing some bubble gum, you know. Um, these are all questions we will answer. We will get to. We will take an updated look at the NFC playoff picture, which is slowly getting out of reach. And we will preview um, the Thanksgiving Day game, coming to you very shortly. Um, yeah, they're against- playing this cool exhibition game where, like, <laughs> – these two like teams that mean nothing play each other on Thanksgiving. It's really nice because then everyone can like 
you know, pay attention to their family and stuff since no one good is playing. So it's yes, sweet. the the Los Angeles Chargers come into town after drilling the Bills. We'll we'll get into all that, but unfortunately, first we must start with this game. Um, Goat, where were you watching? Where were you at the scene of the crime? Uh, I was at the crib. Uh, had some people over. Uh, I could tell from minute one that people had come to this event because they wanted to see me react negatively to the Cowboys getting pounded on. Uh, yeah. I did not disappoint. Um, yeah, it was it was a dark night. Where were you at? So I was actually at my mother's house. Um, I had my sister, Maddie, find a town. Shout out, Maddie. Um, and so we were doing some family stuff at the crib, and I had to be warned continually about using the F word from my mother. So, well, you know. It was one of those ones. Um, Speaking of, uh, birthday shout out. Happy birthday, Michelle. Uh, you're of a course. lovely woman. You get better with age. Uh, that was good. That was good to shout out. You. Yes, uh, to my beautiful mother. Um, it is her birthday today. She is a friend of the pod, and so we wish her and a just a happy thirty-first birthday to Michelle Walker. <laughs> just like fine wine, like fine wine. So let's let's get right into the drives. Um, you know, Cowboys get the ball as per usual. Um, which I'm going to say real quick, I'm tired of this trend and it's not because we get ball first and do absolutely nothing with it, which has happened like every week, but it's because in the second half, the other team gets the ball and yeah. they do a lot with it. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Go uh, right off the bat. I'm like, this game could get weird because the much maligned Ryan Switzer almost makes me go out and buy his Jersey. He, he must've heard the pod. And he goes out and puts a 61-yard return up on the board. Uh, we are down to the Eagles' 37-yard line. In a day where not many people had a day, I will, I will shout him out. He, he, he played much better than we have seen him play all year. Um, you know, we, we go to work. Dak, right off the bat, seven-yard pass to Witten. Um, then Morris gets stuffed, and then Dak tries to throw to Des Bryant. Des can't come up with the ball. Des gets molested about ten yards deep, and uh, nobody throws a flag. And usually, if you listen to this program every week, it is usually Andy who's hard on the refs. That sucked, and it wasn't the last time Des did not get a call. Yeah, and man, we can get into Des later, but yeah, we will. Ah, Des. So Nugent, who had a real rough outing last week, comes out first drive, nails a 48-yard field goal. So thank you, Mike. That was an excellent kick. We appreciated it. Um, unfortunately, the Eagles came to play. Um, you know, we don't have to go line by line here, but basically these guys did not see um, a, a third down their entire drive. Um, they got a neutral zone infraction penalty on Demarcus Lawrence at one point. Um, they hit one, you know, pretty good sized play. Uh, it was a pass to Kenyon Barner for 22 yards, and then they gave it to him again on the ground, and he rushed it in for four yards. Um, just a real easy drive for the Eagles, to be honest with you. Um, just four four minutes, 75 yards, eight plays, and it's seven three. Yeah, they uh, they marched down the field and, you know, no Sean Lee, so it wasn't a shocker. They ran for an incredible amount of like 200-plus yards, so this was the beginning of that. Um, we turn around, get the ball back, and actually put together a pretty good drive, Goat. Um, Alfred Morris busts off a 22-yarder early on. Um, Noah Brown gets in on a nice little play call from Linehan, which is about his only one. Um, we see some T-dub, we see some Dak running, and we get into the red zone goat, and we stall. Yeah, we end up stopped on the nine-yard line. And I'll say this, I mean, first drive, you get excellent field position. You're on the 37 to start the drive. You end up kicking a field goal. Second drive, you drive all the way down to the 11. You get a field goal. I mean, these are touchdowns the Cowboys need to score to be in this game. 
Um, Third and seven from the nine. We throw a fade to Dez one-on-one with Ronald Darby, their best player. A lot of hands there. Collinsworth on the broadcast was even suggesting that could have been a flag. I particularly didn't like the call or the ball placement of that one, but it is what it is. We settle for another Mike Nugent field goal. So 7-6, Eagles get the ball back. Luckily this time the defense came to play a little bit more. Um, They did force – they they tried to go three straight passing plays. Uh, Thank goodness for us. Um, On the third and ten, Wentz didn't have anything downfield. Coverage was good. Uh, He scrambles for four yards, and uh, Xavier Woods takes him down. So uh, they're forced to punt, um, which is great for us. You know, this is exactly the position you want to be in. You're only down one point. You got the ball back. Um, Unfortunately, you know, this became a a pattern for the Cowboys. You know, moments where they could have turned this game around maybe, um, but end up having – significant problems so Dak gets the ball we go deep pass on the first play incomplete on the second play uh Dak throws the ball to Terrence Williams um Terrence bobbles the ball into the air and it is intercepted uh what can you say about Terrence Williams at this point I I, I we gave him all the what I would consider undue credit in the world when he had a career game a couple of w- weeks ago um the guy just cannot be counted on in any kind of situation that counts. Yeah, this is going to be a weird one, and it wasn't a play that he you ex- particularly expect him to make, but still, I mean, you just can't let that ball get popped in the air in the middle of the field. Um, you know, it's weird. We're going to go through a lot of players who had a lot of bad games for the second week in a row, and you'll listen to that Chiefs podcast a few weeks ago, and we were praising all these guys, so... It's it's an odd – it feels really weird that we are talking about all these great options we had two weeks ago, and now we're talking about who the hell on this team can we count on. Yeah, um, it's, it is weird. I mean – But Dak threw a pick. Like, I, I, I didn't like, like to throw that much to begin with, to be honest. And anyway, that was interception number one. And and like you said, man, this is a, a loss that's going to make you question everything. This is a loss that's going to make you look at – the Ryan Switzers, the Dezes, the T-Dubs, the offensive line, the defensive players, and just all of them, and just say, you know, is this team good enough? You know, even with the players they're missing. Like, is this team up How to snuff? How really good is this team? Right. So we throw a pick. Um, luckily, our defense is there again. Um, they hold them to, to two yards on three plays, uh, and they punt. Uh, no, they miss a field goal. Oh, yeah, I skipped ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right, though. But, yeah, so we actually get bailed out. They miss a 20- or 34-yard field goal um, wide right, and so it's still 7-6, and we get the ball back. Um, it looks like we were – you know, everyone was clapping. The momentum might change, and we go three and out. <laughs> yeah, we go – we get five yards on the first play, one on the second, and then we have an incomplete pass on third and short. Um, you consider that a drop by Beasley? Yeah, or, yeah, I do. I did too. Um, it hit him in both hands, and this happened multiple times. We had every receiver on this team either drop a ball completely that hit both hands or cause an interception. It was a disastrous night for the wide receiver core. Dak was not exactly out there throwing perfect passes. I'm not saying that, but his receivers were not helping the guy out. Yeah, so we punt, Andy. They turn around, go three and out. We turn around and go three and out, and they turn around and go three and out. Anything you yep. want to talk on any of those drives? I mean, th- at this point, like I said, there's a lot of just mistakes on both sides. Um, we've we've got drop passes by our receivers. They've got drop passes by their receivers. We are getting some good push in the run game. Um, you know, we're dropping Legarrette Blunt for two yard losses on a couple different points. Um, but on the other side, we're you know we are. Going out there, we're running one run play and then having Dak try to deep right to Des Bryant twice and then punt. One of those was a drop by Des, by the way, um, on the sideline. Like we said, Dak had a really, really poor night goat. Um, there's no dressing it up more than no. it was. It was a bad night by number four. Maybe his worst in the Cowboys uniform thus far. And... 
that being said, he didn't get much help from anyone. Um, number 88 could have come down with that one on the sideline um, to extend the drive. But anyway, yeah. like I said, we have to punt. They do punt. We get it back. And this is where it starts getting ugly. Um, Dak gets sacked on the first play, a naked bootleg that Derek Barnett read the whole way go. Yep. Um, if you know what a, some people watching that telecast might blame Byron Bell for letting Barnett run. But what it's really designed, that play, why they call it a naked bootleg, is everybody's supposed to fake like the play's going right, and you hope that Dean jumps it. Barnett did not. And when that happens, usually Dak can beat the DN. This was Philly's, I think, like 10th or 11th pick in the draft. Yeah. And there was no getting around him. And he's Great gonna player be, out of Tennessee. A guy he's going to be a problem. To look at. Um, a guy that I was hoping would fall to the Cowboys. Um, instead of getting Taco Charlton, who yeah. that's the only time we hear that name during this podcast because he did uh, nothing as usual. Um, but yeah, Derek Barnett, hell of a player. Um, that puts us at second and 22. Um, we get a five yard pass that brings up third and up catches the ball and runs about six yards backwards. And- yeah. Uh, and then we got Dak Prescott trying to throw uh, deep down the middle intended for Des Bryant. Um, goes into double coverage and picked off again. Really bad um, throw. This was his really terrible, throw. indefensible yeah. throw of the night. This was, you know, I know Cowboy fans out there were starting to think Tony Romo did no wrong. I mean, time just has that way with players. We only remember the good, and we forget that he had plays like this, but this was one of those deep down the middle, no point to throw it. We're terrible at third and 17. They have a great defense. And if you're going to throw that ball to Dez, at least throw it 10 yards in front of him. Um, that yeah, was a bad play. It came up short. It came up in double coverage. It was a wrong decision and a worse throw. Um, the Eagles get the ball back on our 46. Um, and our defense, to their credit, uh, just completely stands them up. Um, three plays for two yards. They punt. Um we managed to get the ball back and put together a, a pretty decent drive. Um, we got some runs by Alfred Morris. Uh, Dak starts to hit a couple, um, you know, short passes, uh, and we end up uh, on the 29-yard line um, with only about 55 seconds to go in the half. Um, we kick the 47-yard field goal. Um, that puts it at 9-7 to Cowboys. Um, there'd be one more possession during the half. That was a three and out or a three and out by Philly, um, you know. And we're going into the half nine seven, saying, "Hey, for all the for two picks, for total lack of offense, um, for everything that went wrong, we're up by two. I'll take that." Um, but as usual, halftime proved to be, you know, the turning point of the game. It turned into. So- the if Cowboys were, coaching staff doing absolutely nothing to make any kind of adjustment for this for the second half of this game. And the Eagles Jason Garrett's quote at half was something like, No, we don't need to change anything up. We just need to do a better job in the passing game and some guys need to make some plays. That was all I said. <laughs> yeah. So the Eagles get the ball, and I know this is gonna sound like we just like edited in last week's you know, dissection of the third quarter, but they march right down the field. Um, they really, they really only are challenged once on a third, third and nine. week in a row, by the way, we've giving up a touchdown to begin the second. Yeah. Half. So Corey Clement rushes in for an 11 yard touchdown. Um, and then we, they do a two point conversion. That is another rush to Corey Clement and he gets in. So it is now 15 to nine. You're wondering why they went for two. Uh, their kicker, um, it wasn't just because he missed that short one, got knocked out with a concussion. And honestly, one of the things that pissed me off most about this game, Goat, was the fact that they were up by so much or thought so little of us in most situations. So like, <laughs> we'll just go for it on fourth every yeah. time. Fuck the Cowboys. They suck. And it worked. <laughs> we'll just go for two every time. And the Cowboys just laid down and took it. Yep. So we come out from that. We're down by six. This is the point where you either lose or win the game. Um, Morris goes for 12 yards, then for 20 yards. 
So we're already down to the Philly 39. Um, we run him again, which I like, even though he only got stopped for a one-yard loss. I like that we kept running the ball. Prescott throws to Williams, one yard, then incomplete to Beasley. We then punt from the Philadelphia 39 on fourth and 10. I know it's only 15 to 9. I didn't like that call. You're at the 39. Uh, I know it. I don't know. I, I can see the reasoning, but mm, man, you should have, on that third and 10, you should have known you were basically in four down territory. And I think, I either think you run or you get a couple yards so that you can go for it on fourth or at least give well, what does that Nugent a 50 yard confidence in Dak. Do they? Does that mean that they looked at that and said we're not we're not making that ten yards? Yeah. What, what's the worst? Philly gets the ball in the thirty nine. Like, yeah. I didn't like that at all, and it doesn't look like our punt helped us at all because on second and six, when you knew the game was over at this point, fifteen to nine, um, Jay Ajayi burst off a seventy one yard run. Um, Byron Jones chased him down and I don't even really give Byron props because if you watch the replay of that Andy he takes such a bad angle yeah if he's not a full through. like three-tenths of a second faster in the 40 than Ajayi he just completely loses him so they instantly turn the field position back around third and six um they finally convert one Carson Wentz to Torrey Smith, who is well past his prime, and then they go for two, and once again they succeed. And now it's 23-9. to nine. And, and that honestly was pretty much the end of the game. Um, I want to just read – this is the second half possessions. I want to say one thing on this next yeah. one. So we wound up punting on this next drive, and once again we run Alf a few. We get Dez a short pass, um, then Alf, Alf. And we get to a third and two, run Rod Smith, who gets stuff. Fourth and two on our own 45. We punt again. Punt again. Down 23 to nine. And that's 14 points. That I'm going to mark right now for the pod. That may be me officially being done with Jason Garrett. I don't blame you. That, do that decision right there. And they march down, goat. Um, I'll let you get what you're saying, but yeah, they marched down with another 11 play, 85 yard touchdown, and then it's 29 to nine. And uh, as this is this is the second half of this game, Eagles touchdown, Dallas punt, Eagles touchdown, Dallas punt, Eagles touchdown, Dallas fumble recovered for a touchdown, Dallas interception, Eagles punt, Dallas punt. Eagles end the game. 37 to 9, three field goals all in the first half. Never got into the end zone. Maybe the most embarrassing loss I've ever seen. Considering who we were playing. The worst home loss in AT&T Stadium. The most points the Dallas Cowboys have ever surrendered in a second half since 1962. The of the 22 worst victory or worst losses that we have at home, 11 of them are now owned by the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't really know what other fun stat that you heard today, but I guarantee you it was something along the lines of Philly kicks Dallas's ass. Yeah. And we, you know what? Like I'll say two guys came to play Ryan Switzer, who I have thrown under the bus a hundred times came to play Alfred Morris who has had to put up with people saying that Darren McFadden should be the starter, a guy who's not even active. Alfred went out there against the Eagles, who have one of the best rush defenses in the league, and carried the ball 17 times for 91 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. That's pretty damn good. He came to play. So thank you, Alfred, for being the only guy that cares about the star on the side of the helmet. Because otherwise, that entire team laid down and just said, I hope it's over soon. It was embarrassing. There was You're right. so little effort to change anything, switch momentum. It was just atrocious. And I'm with you. I don't I do not know if this team will ever even play up to its potential, much less win 
a championship with Jason Garrett as a head coach. I just yeah. see him just so effortlessly outclassed. And by Doug Peterson, man, like that's not an elite head coach. It's I saw just, someone tweet it, and I, I felt very similar. It was, I don't even know if we'll bring anyone in better, but I am so done with Jason Garrett. And that's honestly how I feel. I There are things that I think he does a pretty good job of. Um, I actually think he's a decent motivator. I like some of the speech that he says, you know, about right kind of guys. I, I but is that like something that another guy couldn't do? Like, I know, I know. When is when have we ever out coached a team? Like, he just me and speaks, you talk about speaks this. in John Wooden quotes, and I too enjoy that from time to time. But <laughs> I, I feel like I could hand a good football coach one book, and he could do everything Jason Garrett does, plus actually coach the team well. Yeah, my Jason Garrett, the problem I have with, with him, and we've discussed this, is every win we pretty much have had in his tenures, we've just outclassed the other team in his terms of talent. Like, when is a game that we've won where you're like, wow, man, coaching was really the deciding factor there for us? Never. Literally never. If we don't roll out there – with a team that if we don't roll out there like a 95 and they're a 70, we, w- we will lose. The Cowboys feel like this house of cards where if you take one piece away, they all just – like one piece being Sean Lee or Zeke Elliott or Tyron Smith, and they just to fall me, apart. To me, they feel like a Ferrari. Like – if this thing is like expertly cared for, nothing's wrong with it. It's all running perfectly. This thing can burn anybody. But if you hit one little bump in the road, one pebble that makes a screw go loose somewhere in this super feat of Italian engineering, it's going to get roasted by a Honda Civic. And this is the NFL. You don't get to play with a perfectly conditioned vehicle every week. There's going to be injuries. Pieces are going to fall off. And you Yeah, this have- isn't the NBA. Like Depth is important in the NFL. Um, in a league where injuries are pretty damn common, it would make a lot of sense to have guys who could step in and play. And every year we've seen this. I mean, I've, I've, I was part of the group in 2015 that said, man, what are you going to do when you lose Dak, I mean, Tony and Dez for the year, you know? And that yeah. makes sense, but we're not talking. I mean, we still have Dak. We still have Dak. I and mean, we still have some good play. We still have, you know, um, Martin and Frederick. And we lose one piece on our O-line, and all of a sudden we can't block anymore. We lose one middle linebacker as good as he is, and all of a sudden we can't get anyone off the field anymore. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And we lose know- our running back, and we score one one touchdown in the eight quarters since he's been gone. I think like these are things coaches have to overcome in this league. I agree. I think we've reached the same point we reached with Parcells. Is Jason Garrett a good coach? Sure. Do I like, you know, what he brings to the table on paper? Absolutely. Do I think that he has lost his ability to lead this team? Yes. Do I think that if we could let him continue that it will change? No, I don't. So while Jason Garrett may make a great coach for some other team, I don't think he's the right coach for Dallas anymore. And I have been a staunch supporter of Jason Garrett. He was coach of the year last year, and I don't know if he deserved that title. I mean, unfortunately, coach of the year in the NFL really just means what team exceeded expectations the most. And Dallas was expected to suck because of the Romo thing. Dak and Zeke came on and made him look flawless. You know, we've talked about, or we've seen the comments, heard the people talk that Dak, you know, benefits from having this great O-line. Oh, Zeke, and anyone could run behind that line. Look what Alfred Morris did. One thing we haven't really connected the dots there is how good has this O-line made this coaching staff look? Yeah. I mean, who's... Who's benefited more from this O-line playing well than the staff as far as saving their perception? And I agree with Jason. I, I don't I don't think he's the worst coach. 
I like you said, he may even be a good coach. I just don't think that this team is going to win with Jason Garrett now. No, I agree with you. I agree completely. So, given that that was the situation Sunday night, the picture is bleak. Um, the Eagles are now nine and one. Uh, the Cowboys are five and five and two and three at home. Um, is it mathematically possible for us to make the playoffs? Absolutely. But I will go on record as saying, Ben, if we don't see a significant change in how this team attacks the field day after tomorrow and Thanksgiving, I will be surprised if this team finishes 500. Yeah, well, they need, I've said from the get go, they need to go 10 and six. So at this point, they need to go five and one down the stretch. Even if they end up nine and seven, I think, I honestly think that's a good coaching job at this point, given no Zeke and given the schedule. Um, a couple things we didn't get into good. I just want to talk on real quick. We briefly went over them. Not that I want to linger on this damn game any longer, but um, Dak's final numbers, 18 to 31 for 145, zero touchdowns, three picks, sacked four times. Pass rating of 30. His worst game in a Cowboy uniform. Um, there have been a lot of people reacting out there that is is Dak Prescott who we think he is. I mean, two weeks ago, Mean Goat read you stats that literally put him on line, if not above line, of the greatest to have ever played this sport. And now two weeks later, after two bad games in a row, we're sitting here wondering is this guy – I mean, I was talking to Tim, man. I, I hate to say it. Is there a scenario where he turns into, like, Colin Kaepernick? And I don't of believe course. so, but there's, there's a scenario there's a out scenario there. Any player could be. Any player could turn into Colin Kaepernick. Any player could be Vince Young or RG3. And, and by that, I, I just mean Colin Kaepernick was a very good quarterback that led the Niners to a Super Bowl with Jim Harbaugh. And as soon as Jim Harbaugh left, Colin Kaepernick is pretty meh. Yeah. Like, is he Alex Smith? Like, Alex Smith was pretty meh until he ran into Andy Reid, and now he looks like a Pro Bowl. Like, does Dak require – we were talking the Ferrari syndrome. Does Dak require ideal conditions to be a good player? Or do we just see one-off night from a good quarterback in his second year? Well, I think – I think that someone else said it best. I think that you can have both a terrible game and be a good quarterback. Sure. I think that for us to completely throw Dak away based on two games is insane. However, sure. I will say that it is very concerning to see him struggle like that. And I think that if there is one thing I am very excited about for the Thanksgiving game – it is to see how Dak reacts to that. Um, Dak has not faced until now what I would really call anything resembling adversity. He, I would say he, last year after the Vikings-Giants games, he played pretty poorly. But, and there were the, where's but he still had time? leagues more defenders than he does right now today. I'll give you um, that. And, and he was a rookie. And we were playing, you know, it was just there was a whole bunch of excuses or justifications or whatever you want to call it um, for his play, and he managed to bounce back. We have now seen Dak kind of crumble in two games. And Dak's post-game speech is exactly what you'd expect from Dak Prescott. He was very upset at his performance and the team's performance. And he said that he wished they could play the next day. What kind of day does Dak Prescott have to have against the Chargers for your faith to be restored? For me, if he just plays well, I don't, I'm not one of those that's going to take him to the cross. Um, I think he had a bad game. I think it's fair to question his ceiling, which I certainly am. Like, there was a couple weeks ago we were talking about me and Tim, just my roommate, we're just talking about where would we rank Dak among the QBs. And it was just a fun talk, you know, as you, you would have at any sports bar, you know, you just sit around. 
And there were a lot of big names. Like I for sure a couple weeks ago were put him well above Kirk Cousins. Yeah. You know, right on there with Wentz. I put him above um Mariota Wentz. I mean, I still do those guys, but now I look and I'm like, man, is his ceiling ever gonna be what Cam Newton is? Is his ceiling ever gonna be um telling what you know, Matt Ryan? You know, and, and those the two are two MVPs you just named. I know. And they had two very good years when they won their MVP. I guess what I'm trying to to say here is is he would I take him over Kirk Cousins today? A guy who can give you 300 yards in any game. Now, I don't know if they win a lot. A lot of that has to do with Washington. But I think it's – what I'm trying to say, I think it's fair to question where he – his ceiling really is. And for me, in this game, I still think he's a good quarterback. I'm just afraid, is he just a really good game manager, though? And I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Man, yeah. I mean, I'm probably right there with you. Um more doubt now than I've ever had about the kid. The first time I saw him play a preseason game, I thought he was really special. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I would like to see I would like to see a game where Dak throws the ball 25 times, 30 times, a decent number of attempts for him. You know, 60 plus percent, maybe over 300 yards. And, you know, two or more touchdowns with no interceptions. And if he goes out there and does that, then I will put my fears to rest. Um, you know, nothing went right yeah. during that Philly game. There was no one that was I, out there. It wasn't like everyone else was doing a great job and Dak was by himself out there playing terribly. Um, I do believe in rhythm for quarterbacks, and I do think Dak was kind of robbed of his ability to find momentum during that game. Um I do think missing your blindside protection by one of the best football players on the planet does make a huge difference. I think that missing the ability to hand the ball off to probably the best all-around running back and probably the elite premier pass-blocking running back in the National Football League hurts you tremendously. Um, I think that the pressure to score a lot more points than you'd like to be kind of on the rope for because your defense doesn't have Sean Lee and you're giving up tons of touchdowns. And you can't kick the ball and you from as far as way. You have to get the ball to the 30 to kick. Yeah. Um, all those things can contribute. And then all it takes is, you know, Dak being 10% less effective than he normally is, has a bad day, and suddenly he's terrible. Um, you know, I yeah. watched Tony Romo throw be- five picks in a game. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I'm a huge Romo guy. I, I get it. That as I, I said this in one of our pods, Andy, about the fan base was very split on Tony. As far as like me and you worship Tony. Yep. And thought he was good enough player to win the Super Bowl. Um, there's some statistics you can pull up that make Tony look like he's an all timer, and there's ones that aren't as flattering. Um, but there was part of our fan base. Me and you knew many of these fans yep. who thought Tony was a choke artist, that he sucked, and that Dallas was, would never win. He was win. the reason why we lost. People would say if we didn't have Tony Romo, we would have won the Super Bowl by now. Yep. So, And my what I'm trying to say about that point is now we have a quarterback that everyone wants to embrace in Dak, but I think there's a few of those on the Tony bandwagon who are still – for whatever reason, the back of our mind being like, man, Tony would have put up more than nine points that game, right? Like, yeah. Des Bryant would have better numbers if Tony Romo was in the game. Yeah. Like, Tony would have got way more killed than Dak is. And it's a very weird thing that I don't think a lot of fan bases have. Like, yeah, this, this inner quarterback turmoil. Yeah, I mean, and you know, this happens traditionally in franchises where someone takes over for some illustrious super QB. Um, now many franchises, they get lucky and they have a good one come in right behind them. So, um, when Joe Montana left San Francisco, they got Steve Young immediately. And so he was able to collect, kind of like put those Montana fans to rest. Um, Peyton leaves the Colts. They get Andrew Luck immediately. Now, whether or not Andrew Luck is ever going to be in that same conversation, but he is at least a, an exciting enough and highly regarded enough young player to where people are okay. 
Um, sure. The day that Tom Brady leaves New England and for retirement, and some kid's got to take over, he's going to get compared pretty much immediately to Tom Brady. And how do they look versus average versus Tom Brady's performances? Um, Dak's going to have to put up with that with Tony because as much as the many people in this fan base talk shit about him, he's the gold standard as a modern passing NFL quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he broke all the records. He holds all the records. The discussion of who throws the ball the best for the Dallas Cowboys pretty much has to begin and end with Tony Romo. Um, yeah, I mean, they're older fans. They'll say Troy, of course, and, sure. and, and Roger. Roger. Um, but we're saying modern, you know, especially right. our lifetime, younger fans that really didn't get to experience the Super Bowls except as kids. And I will say this. I don't think Dak Prescott will ever be a QB that throws for 450 yards and five no, touchdowns. No, that's about to say he's not – He's not Tony, for better or worse. Like he, Tony's ceiling was 400 yards and three to five touchdowns on a great day. Dak's ceiling to me is about 300 yards, three TDs, and a rushing TD. Yeah, you know what I mean. Dak might get you the same score, but it it won't be just highlighter. And the floor being for Romo was zero touchdowns, five picks, and 250 yards passing, whereas unfortunately Dak's floor is about maybe this, 140 yards and three picks. Yeah. Um, it's different, and and when you lose games like this, like we're saying, you question everyone. So we spent a lot of time on Dak and, and where we both feel on him. Um, I'll, I'll just end it by saying, you know, I think it's way too quick to write him off. Um We'll see how he responds at San Diego. I think a lot of this is an indictment of the coaching staff as well, um, as opposed to Dak Prescott. Man, like, I don't want this to come across like I'm doubting Dak and like, man, you know, you know, he was never that good. Man, I truly do believe in my heart of hearts that Dak Prescott can be an amazing quarterback. I think he has all the tools, and I think he has those tools you can't teach. I think he has those intangibles, all that Tim Tebow shit that people like to talk about. Um. I want this kid to be good so bad. He's a winner. He is he, he is a winner. He's got that Kellen Moore winner vibe to him. Yeah, and then people are going to look, and, and there's just the transition here goat about his weapons, and they're like, well, yep. with no Zeke, what does he have out there? He's got T-Dub, who Terrence is worthless. We saw what he does. Cole Beasley's numbers are way down this year. Jason Witten is 40. You know, I mean, you can't expect him to do much. Both, Both – both of them at under 10 yards. And then the elephant in the room, how good is Des Bryant still? Man, this was a this was a week of, of very big come to Jesus for me on Des Bryant. Um, man, I, I can't say I think Des Bryant's an elite receiver. I can't. I, he might be secretly an elite receiver, but he does not play like an elite receiver. And that includes – I mean, he's got – a very high number of targets. And yeah, real quick, I actually have that stat. Um, so at least this is the last tweet I saw. And for any followers out there that want to correct me, that is that is fine. But last I saw, he's sixth in targets, twenty first in catches, and thirty seventh in yards. There's got to be number two receivers that have better numbers than that. There are, and yeah. I'm not saying they're all quality targets. In fact, there's a really you know, good I hate some of the plays they choose for him. The naked pass with like no block screen out to Dez on the flat, I think is a useless play. But the thing is, he used to not be able to get tackled by one guy, Goat. That used to go for 10 yards. Now it goes for three. Like well, that used to be a chain mover in Tony's day. Yeah, now I'll I, say he doesn't get help when Dak throws it as shoelaces, but. Sure. At the same time, man, like we can't run the offense based off of what Dez used to be able to do. So I know, but what do you do with Zeke's ball, out? What do you do with Zeke's out? You can't – we just said you can't trust Terrence Williams. You can't really get Jason Witten well, I'm not, anymore. I'm not than saying it. they can do anything different. I'm just saying it yeah. might be that we need to go get a number one receiver, a true number one, because we've got three number threes and a number two. I won't put Dez in number two. I'm not saying he's a lead. Dez will be in number one on a lot of teams. I think in as we're saying, all talent helps each other. Um, 
you know, I mean, Antonio Brown's played with some fantastic receivers next to him his whole career. Now, I'm not saying Dez is an A-B at this point, but there's a lot of number ones out there. I mean, even DeAndre Hopkins has a number one receiver, Will Fuller, on the other side. Um, you know, Julio is about the best example of a really the only target, and they have great running game to complement him. I guess what I'm saying is I agree that we need to go out and get a receiver to at least compliment Des. And we have to be honest. And this is – I went on a big soapbox on Des Bryant a few weeks ago on people calling for his head. Um, I'll say a few things. I don't think he's getting a lot of quality targets, but I do think it's fair to say that Des Bryant has not had a single splash play this year. Do you think anyone's and by that, I mean, Des Bryant? Do you think other yeah. teams? Do you think when other teams are in? On well, to find a freight, I think people scheme around him absolutely. Sure, but I'm especially saying, in do the you red zone. That, like at, compared to like 2010 or 2013, 14. You know that in 2014, going into the film session for the guys that are playing the Cowboys that week, they're doing hours of film study on Des Bryant and entire packages designed to take Des Bryant out of the game, putting two, three DBs over on that side of the field to make sure Des Bryant can't get the game. I think now it literally is just like, hey, Patrick, make sure Des doesn't go off. Hey, Josh, make sure Des stays quiet. And he does. I get that. I don't – I agree you can shut him down with an elite corner. I don't know how many teams have elite corners, but enough that – it's a concern, if, but I'll say team we've played this year have an elite corner. Cause no, 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 but not every team has shut down Des completely. I mean, the problem with this too is when you go to this is our teams not scheming that way. Cause they're not as afraid of Des or are they not as afraid of Dak exposing them? And I think that's fair. And I'm not saying it's on Dak. I'm not, I'm not trying to come across like that. I just think it's a fair question that, they don't feel the need on some throws Tony could make that Dak can't. I know. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm just looking at it like when I look at his game logs this year, if you told me in a vacuum that these were Terrence Williams numbers, I would believe you. Yeah. No, and I'll, I'll say this too. It's disappointing. His, there's, there's no way around that. And my big thing on, on what I'll concede is there hasn't been a play this year that I've watched him make that I'm like, wow. No one else could make that play. Yeah. Like, like there was the one you remember in 2014, he had tons of them. He caught the ball on just, Justin Joseph's back against yep. Houston in OT. He has, you know, the helmet catch to his name in Detroit. You know, he had the three touchdown game against Philly. Okay. You even know, last where, year, man, like the, the game tying touchdown against Philadelphia in the regular season, the long bomb to, that he got down on one knee and honored his dad against the Steelers, the one-on-one uh, just burning that he put on that Vi- on Xavier Rhodes to score a touchdown against the Vikings. Like, I'll say it's like two- overnight this guy turned into very average. He has two plays this year that I would really say there's Dez. The game against the Cardinals where he literally juked about Patrick Peterson out of his shoes and then pushed. Oh, yeah, and then piled the whole team into the end. Okay, yeah. That was signature Dez. And then the Niners, not that it mattered because we were up 30, where Dak threw a really high ball and he went up and caught it and then held it in one hand. That was a nice. But you're right. He doesn't, he hasn't had that play where he catches a ball that's thrown 10 yards to him and bust off for 25 more or 30 more. Yeah. Like he just hasn't, we haven't seen the explosiveness after the catch this year is what concerns me. Um, I understand, you know, Dak may not be as good at giving him the jump balls that Tony did, and I think there's some proof to that. But there's Which no reason why because he, it looked like last year Dak could throw that ball. I know, and and then you question is Des not getting open as much? Um, I don't know, man. There's there's an interesting breakdown, and I don't want to spend all night on it, but there's an interesting breakdown about where Des Bryant is. Um. And it essentially came down to four things, and it was Des doesn't get as much separation on goes anymore. Two, that about 50% of his balls in the last year and a half have been what this guy at least deemed uncatchable, so they aren't quality targets. 
three that they only really run him about three routes, and it's a slant, it's a curl, or no, it's a slant, a dig, and a go. And he really runs nothing else anymore. And so teams sit on him, and then the guy did say he runs the best dig routes he's seen of anyone he analyzed still. So, And we have seen plays where he gets wide open and Dak just doesn't see him. We've seen that. Yeah, it's it's twofold. I, I think it's fair to say he, whether he's if he's not elite, and the numbers certainly support that. And if Dak can't get in the ball, and the numbers can't certainly support that, and that's I guess where I land on on Des Bryant. It's it's very it's very sad. Des is easily one of my favorite Cowboys of all time. Me too. Um. So, you know, I guess we'll just hold out hope that we see a big game on Thursday from Mr. Bryant. So, like we said, the playoff picture is uh, solidifying slowly. Um, we're into the back half of the season. Um, ben, what's, what's been going on with uh, – we saw the Eagles. What's been going on with the, our friends, the G-Men, and uh, the Washington R-Words? <laughs> So the Giants, as puzzling as they always are, after getting drilled a week ago by San Francisco, winless San Francisco, who you saw your Cowboys demolish, um, they go out and beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who I guess now embar- who we embarrassingly called the best team of football four weeks ago. Um, they beat them 9-6 to six in overtime, and they improved to – Two and eight this year. Huh. So the Giants, uh, do you think this was more to do with the Giants having an up game, Kansas City being that bad? I think the Giants are still talent-wise have massively underperformed, and they can beat anyone on the right day. And I also think KC is hurting right now. I mean, Kareem Hunt's numbers have been dwarfed. Um, Alex Smith has come back down to earth. He threw two more picks in that game. And their defense is getting down. I mean, they only gave up nine points that game, but in general, their defense has been pretty horrendous in recent weeks. So they got to do some soul searching because they're not out of that division yet. Very true. Yeah, I, the the Kareem Hunt thing is odd. He looks like he was absolutely the real deal, um, and then he hit that Pittsburgh game, man, and twenty one yards. Looked okay against Oakland, 87 yards, but then 46 against Denver on 22 carries. and then Hasn't nine. scored a touchdown since week three. Yeah, yeah, and he was a machine. He had two against Philly, um, one each against the Chargers in New England, um, and he also had some receiving touchdowns. He had two receiving touchdowns his first week. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with KC. But, you know, the Giants uh, continue to try to figure it all out. McAdoo, uh, I don't even know if you could say he's fighting for his job anymore. I think it's – a pretty foregone conclusion that guy's gonzo after this year. For sure. Uh, but I guess we will see what happens. Uh, Washington, you know, that game, that second game against them for us should be interesting. Um, yeah, they, know, played, they, uh, they played the New Orleans Saints, who were 7-2 and two heading into the game. And the Saints are really, really good. They have the longest win streak in the NFL at, at 7. They started 0-2 and, and won 7, the only team to do that since you are 93 Dallas Cowboys. Wow. And they've looked real damn good. Overnight, Sean Payton, we're talking about how much coaches make a difference, has turned them into a run-first team that plays strong defense. And they kind of let Drew Brees be a passenger, um, which is so different than the last eight years of Saints football. It's not even funny. Yeah, where Drew Brees is just dragging the carcass that is the New Orleans Saints over the finish line of like nine and seven. I've read a stat that Alvin Kamara – and Mark Ingram are on pace to have the best running back by committee season of all time. Wow. Um, it was at least since Walter Payton and whoever the hell he ran with, I forget. But um, anyway, overnight they've become really, really good. But Washington was in this game um, all the way until the fourth. Washington um, pulling an old Dallas or Texas Tech football, if you will, um, had a – 14-point lead or 15-point lead with four minutes left and punted twice, Saints scored twice, 
The Saints get a two-point conversion, and then the Saints get the ball in overtime and kick a game-winning field goal. So, ugly loss for the Skins. They should have won that one. So we've got a uh, we've got an interesting week coming up. Like we've been saying, the Cowboys are playing the Chargers. Um, you know, Ben, I don't know what to think about this game. You know, looking up, looking at the beginning of the season, I thought this was going to be one of our easier games, um, a chance for us to rest before we start the drive for the playoffs. Um, obviously, the dynamic is very different between these two teams now. Um, the Chargers are coming off of a pretty impressive win. They put fifty four points up on the Bills. They lost uh, a very close game in overtime uh, the week before against a very good Jacksonville team. Um, you know, is this going to be a cakewalk or are the boys in for a uh, another shocking defeat here? I think we're in for a real test. Um, the Chargers, since starting 0-3, maybe 0-4, have really turned their season around. And with the Chiefs, blowing four of their last five they're now actually in that division hunt um for the playoffs so they have actually something to play for still um the scary thing about the chargers is they boast two premier pass rushers by the name of melvin ingram and joey bosa yeah. And Joey Bosa, you'll remember that name was a lot of people thought the Cowboys might take him at four last year. He wound up going the pick in front of us um, to the Chargers. And he's, he's got been 21 sacks in 22 career games. Yes. And Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram lead the NFL in pressures on the quarterback. And I don't mean that as combined, which they do. I mean, Melvin Ingram's number one and Joey Bosa's number two on most pressures they've put on a quarterback. So you're talking about battle line play. The Dallas Cowboys have given up 12 sacks the last two games. You have two premier edge rushers coming in today or tomorrow. And they're not, you know, they're not a, uh, they're not a slouch on offense either. Um, Phillip rivers, who's getting into his elder statesman days, but can still air it out. Mm -hmm. He's got 17 touchdowns. Um, He's got a good ground rushing attack with Melvin Gordon. Um, he's got 633 yards and five touchdowns. And then uh, someone that we will probably need to look out for, coming off of a very hot game, Keenan Allen. Um, he's got 755 yards and two, three TDs on the year. He is coming off of a game against Buffalo where he had uh, 12 catches for 159 and two touchdowns. Um, so they will be looking to continue uh, that pattern uh, that they had last week. Um yeah, like you said, I think my biggest concern is is the pass rush. Um, we've had we have struggled so mightily the last two weeks. Um, the Eagles, you know, they knocked Dak down seven times. They got four sacks. Um, we don't even need to rehash what Atlanta did to this team. Um, and I wouldn't say that I'm half as scared of either of those teams as I am of what San Diego brings to the table from a pass rush perspective. Um, you know, from from the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think Alfred can get the job done. I think this is really going to come down to can Dak shake off the last two weeks and play a good game. This is Um, a real mental test game coming up. They have a decent corner out there spying on Dak. Trey Boston's got four interceptions. Yeah, Trey Boston's not bad. I think Vernette, is he playing? I don't remember if he tore his ACL or something. He was their number one corner who was in that class of guys – who can shut down anyone, um, especially yeah. Dez, who's had a less than stellar year. Um, but they uh, they have a they have a decent defense. They're a little um, vulnerable to the run. I think you know we can we can get the ground game going. I'd like to see us commit to that. Um, it does look like Tyrone Smith's going to play goat, which is. Good news. I think I don't even know if he's fully healthy, but I think at this point he feels this thing's going up in flames. I got to get on the field, and I think he's going to suit up. Mm-hmm. Um, that should help with Ingram and Bosa a little bit. You know, I think I think Dak is not going to have a three hundred plus yard game like we're talking. I'm hoping for a clean, no turnover game for Dallas. They've had Dak himself has now had six turnovers in these last two games. Um, and a lot of that's because he's getting pressured a lot. 
So he needs to be clean with the football. I'm hoping for two TDs. Hopefully one goes to Desmond DeMond Bryant. And uh, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, do you want to get into predictions, or what are you, what are you feeling here? Yeah, I mean, the uh, we can definitely do that. I do want to add one more thing. Um, in addition to Tyron it. returning, um, we have also heard rumors that Dan Bailey is poss- a possible return as well. Um, so that's that's two major weapons, uh, you know, at least two major pieces that the Cowboys will get back. Um, you know, all we're really missing now is uh, the best linebacker we've had in a generation and the best running back in the NFL. So I think <laughs> we're like sixty percent of the way to having a good team. So we'll see see what what we can do with that. Yeah, let's let's go to predictions. Um, you know, I, I don't even think there's really any pressure on the Cowboys at this point. Um, I think most people have completely written them off, uh, especially after watching them get honestly just straight up trounced two weeks in a row. Um, you know, I think only the most diehard of us are still doing uh, the 46 step differential equation it takes to figure out how we can make the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, Ben, what are you feeling? I think we win. I really do. I just can't see. If we lose this game, I really think we have to consider Jason Garrett gone. And I don't, I don't know, man. That sounds weird to say after a 13 and 3 year, but I just don't think it's excusable or there's any excuse you can you can put up for turning in a if we if we finish sub 500 this year. Um but Thanksgiving, man, I like Thanksgiving. You know, it, it's it's a fun time of the year. Dallas plays. Um, everyone's gathered around the TV, got some turkey, get some Bloody Marys if you're my family. And uh, I'm fully expecting to see a Cowboys win and a comfortable one. I think it'll be a 27-13 to 13 win. Very nice. I am... Huh. I think I'm. I think I'm. I'm lining up with you on this. Um, you know, this is a this is a four and six team. Um, they're somehow second in their division at four and six. I mean, I'm saying that we're five and six. We're second in our division. Um, you know, they've beat the Giants by five. They beat the Broncos. They beat the Raiders, and they beat the shit out of the Bills last week. Um, this team pretty much. Likes to score around 20 points. Do I think the Cowboys offense can score 25 points? Um, it's really tough. You know, normally that's an automatic yes for me. And I want to say I believe we win. But, man, something's just nagging me. Ooh. And I just... You're going against this it. This is the prediction that I hope I am more wrong about than any other one ever. But I have a bad feeling that this team has mentally crumbled. And I think we lose this game 24 to six with Dan Holy Bailey kicking shit. two field goals. Six. That yeah. would be one touchdown in 12 quarters. I mean, I, that's, I hope it's wrong. I hope it's wrong. Dude, really that's do. like the calls to get rid of Dak and Dez will be at an all time high. I don't, Whew, I, I hope you're wrong, brother. Uh, me uh, too. No one hopes I'm wrong more than me on this one. I just think Dax shown in college in his brief NFL career he can bounce back. I, and I'm really I great. Agree. I'm not even saying it's going to be Dak's fault. I think everyone is questioning everything right now. And I think that it's like I, you know, we talked a little bit on the phone this week and we said, you know, we, we've kind of pretended that. Jerry's fight with the NFL and the anthem thing and the Zeke suspension and the injuries that our players would all be immune from all of that mentally. And I think that this team came into this season thinking they were going to compete for a Super Bowl. And now that hope is waning. Then we had to deal with Zeke's playing. No, Zeke's not playing. No, Zeke's playing. Jerry suing the NFL. No, not suing the NFL. And Jerry I, was told about Zeke. And, I honestly think that there's a chance that this team, once they realize they weren't going to win the Super Bowl this year, there's just that little bit of mental edge that got taken off of it, and that's enough. So we'll see. I want to be wrong. I hope they go out there and they blast the Chargers. I will be the first one to eat crow on next week's pod. Um, but for now, till proven it, till proven wrong. I'm going to say that the losing continues. 
<sighs> well, okay. Those are your those are your predictions. Indeed. Oh man, I just want to move on from this week. This is a rough one. Yeah. It uh losing to Philly sucks, man. Losing to Philly does suck. And to any Philly fan who will listen to this, I really, really hope that you enjoy this. Because it's going to make when you lose in the first round of the playoffs so hilarious for me that I don't want you to have gotten no joy out of it. So just revel in this now. Because like all Eagle fans, the fact that you are a championshipless loser. So drink it in while you can. Well said. When, when Wentz throws three picks in his first playoff game, come holler at us. Yeah. I'm going to really enjoy it. So, oh, Well, I think that's all I had, Ben. Do you have anything else before we go? Uh, one brief thing. Um, we basically touched on Jerry. We don't have time or I don't really want to get into the full thing. Um, I want to just say it's weird. I think a lot of local people are kind of tuning that story out just because we're so immune to Jerry Jones and all of his antics that it's, it doesn't even come up in like discussion with other cowboy fans. I have, Yeah, you know, it's just something people mention like off hand off cuff that we do like, Oh yeah. And the Jerry thing. So um, if you follow it, if you want to hear more about that, I would gladly dive in, you know, you can leave us a comment um, or give us feedback. I'll gladly carve up the time to, do some more research on it if you are interested, as this is all things Cowboys. And uh, that's really it. No, man, I, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> the the Jerry Jones thing is really mind-blowing. Um, and I, th- yeah. I think you're exactly right. I think we're, we've become immune to it. Like, <laughs> Jerry can pretty much, like, do anything. We're just like, man, Jerry's crazy, dude. Like, yeah, man, Jerry uh, stole a nuclear weapon and is holding uh, the entire nation hostage. <laughs> oh, man, Jerry is crazy, huh? Man. Yeah, like Ooh-hoo. Jerry challenging the power status of the NFL shocks absolutely no one. Yeah. <laughs> Who follows Jones calling Bob Kraft a pussy doesn't shock anyone. So <laughs> Him telling Roger Goodell, this is my league. <laughs> you better get with it. That's you better amazing. get with it. That's amazing. So... Oh, all right, let's uh, let's put this one in the can and never ever revisit it. Um, to all of our wonderful followers, a very very happy Thanksgiving. May indeed. you enjoy um, festivities with your family. We appreciate you listening to us and carving time out of your day. And uh, just know that the pod wishes you a very happy happy Thanksgiving and is thankful for your listens. Absolutely, and please, if you do enjoy this content, please like. Subscribe and leave a comment on our SoundCloud page or on our Twitter, which you can find at at BWBB with underscores between all the letters. Um, We love interacting with everyone that listens to the pod. We've gotten some great feedback from people. It's probably one of our favorite things in the world. So please continue to support us. We love it. Uh, And we will be back after the Thanksgiving holiday weekend with an update. Man, I don't like. I don't know. We predicted last week, Ben. You know, I didn't know if it was. Can we get lower than this? Like, if we get blown out by the Chargers, will we be more sad, or will we just? Will it be funny at that point? I guess we'll find out. I don't know. I, fuck, man, five and six. Like, what do you even say at that point? Um, gonna be a lot of crow to eat. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, we might have to become like a Mavericks podcast or something. <laughs> become an actual Cowboys podcast. Just talk about. You know, the frontier and, you know, what Cowboys are up to today. (laughs) Today, wagon wheels. How big is too big? (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone. As always, I'm Andy Catelli. I'm Benjamin Walker. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Peace.